Welcome back to Butt Naked Hallmark. It's me, Chingai, and I'm here with Patty again. Hi, Patty. Hi, Chingai. How are you? I'm great. We're on <laughs> our fourth week. Can you believe it? Time is just it's just flying. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're doing something a little bit different for this week. We're gonna flip things around and start discussing Hallmark movies and mysteries, Miracle of Christmas movies first, and then we lead up to the countdown to Christmas offerings of Hallmark Channel. Just to just to make things different since we're doing this every week anyway, and <laughs> might as well. I don't know. <laughs> Why so, not? Why not? Let's start off with the most recent movie, The Christmas Doctor which stars Holly Robinson-Pete and Adrian Holmes. Zoe is a traveling doctor who prefers short assignments to staying put. So when she is assigned to a small-town clinic for the holidays, she is surprised when she starts to feel at home. Every doctor has that one patient that they'll always remember. This is no more zone, but you will take some friendly fire. You say I need to get my head examined? Do you? Probably. Guess I'm used to having an exit strategy. You okay? It's a little hard around the holidays. I don't know how you found her. Should have told you before. Sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. You're like a Christmas miracle. The first thing that came to mind when I saw the previews for Christmas Doctor and I started watching it was it's like virgin river but make it hallmark kinda so it's it essentially it's a big city doctor who goes upstate for christmas upstate new york small town and then they add this layer of army doctor she is an ex-army doctor she's done with that she encounters like a touching story with someone from the army and then she goes to the small town, and then suddenly she bumps into this cute small town guy. <laughs> I'm just like, we can summarize this plot in like three minutes, two minutes, right? I don't really have a lot to say, except that I think that this movie was okay. Mm-hmm. I like the plot. I think it wasn't it wasn't complicated in the way that Hallmark likes to complicate things. I mean, it was <laughs> everything everything made sense. Everything fell into place. There were twists and they were legit twists, although I mean, you kind of know from the start where where everything's going anyway. I think yeah, it was it was okay. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's because I came in with zero expectations for this. Nothing against Holly Robinson Pete, but she at least the movies that she's had in the past, like I think it was Christmas at Angel Falls or something like that. They they haven't necessarily been my favorite holiday movies, so I was a bit like already lukewarm on the idea of this. I have to say though, dude is hot. Like is. the dad that they brought, every time he was on the scene, I was just like, damn, who is this guy? Like, can we have more of him? Like, I mean, that doctor was doing the Lord's work and obviously she was repaid handsomely in the form of this super fine man. I love how it was a mature love story. Like when they wanted to kiss, they kissed. They knew that she was leaving, so, and she left. She left the town. Uh, So it was very, like, very practical. I love pragmatic and practical movies. And of course, spoiler alert, in the end, she does come back to the small town. The thing is, we've been spoiled by Jingle Bell Bride in that the guy can go to the big city. So now Mm -hmm. that I know that that can happen, I expect more. However, I'm not going to complain. There was a kid in this movie. She wasn't annoying. I wasn't expecting much. It delivered. I actually got choked up in the twist. So you know what? Like, overall, benign. I wasn't angry. I also wasn't delighted. So, all in all, not bad. <laughs> I, find, I find Adrian Holmes 
very effective as uh, as a leading man. He brought a bit of uh, Star Wars nerdery into this. I felt like he was doing more of the legwork compared to... I mean, Holly Robinson Pete's an experienced actress. Mm. But I feel like he he was more effective yeah. <laughs> in in this she, movie. She she was good in that like I felt for her and like I felt her struggle of like wanting to make a change and, and all that and be effective. But he hit home. Yeah, he like, did. Like anytime he'd open his mouth, I'm just like, oh shoot, there's emotion there. And, and and the way he looked at her, like he was very good in the staring department. And it's very subtle, but you know what? I'll take it. So. Good job. For me, though, I would say merrily mediocre. Yeah. Just because I wasn't, again, I wasn't disgusted. But I also, I I don't know if I would necessarily go and watch it again. I think it's the kind of movie you just leave on while you're doing yes. something else. And, oh, and totally, totally. Yeah, you, you'll be fine with it that way. Yeah, you'll be fine. And there are moments when you'll check into it. So that's mm-hmm. not bad. That's mm-hmm. not bad at mm-hmm. all. So good job, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, for not repulsing us with your first. Because <laughs> last slow. week was I know. I don't even want to remember last mm-hmm. week, but last week happened. So Okay. All right. Moving on to our second movie from Miracles of Christmas, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, we have Meet Me at Christmas starring Catherine Bell and Mark Declan. So when her son's wedding planner quits, Joan must coordinate his Christmas Eve wedding with the help of Bo, the bride's uncle. They realize their fates and pasts are intertwined. We had a beautiful life together, and I miss him every day. I miss him too, Mom. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. I didn't see you there. Mom, he's a very famous travel photographer. You know, you do look familiar. I tend to stick behind the camera. Sometimes people just need an invitation to open themselves up to some Christmas miracles. So you think fate knew what it was doing? We get, is this our first? I don't know if it's our first. We had a Jingle Bell Bride. So this is another of the Christmas wedding movies wherein the wedding is in the periphery, but not quite there. We have this entire plot line of first love, second chances, which is huge, a huge trope in the Hallmark Cinematic Universe. So huge that there is a movie next week where this is the literal title, (laughs) God Doing Christmas, (laughs) Second Chances, First Love. So obviously that trope is there. We've got a December wedding to plan for with zero resources and somehow absentee parents and of course people stuck in the snow and Cassie, oh sorry, her name's not Cassie, Catherine Bell's character feeling very good witch Cassie in the way she's just, you know, overseeing things in her calm, collected way. I'm not complaining. I love The Good Witch. I I hate that there was no Good Witch Halloween special, so it's not like I don't like Catherine Bell. It's just that it felt so freaking familiar to it. I kind of wish it was just a Catherine Bell as The Good Witch movie in like a setting like this. Still, you know, not bad. We we get all the nice like cottage feels. and, And this time around, I think the twist that this one had is that, you know, there's so many fucking flashbacks wherein you're trying to reveal like, oh, is Bo the uncle or is Bo the, or is the dad? Is that one? Who is the dad? Who is the uncle? And all that. And you'll find out soon enough. I, I do appreciate like the, I'm not really always a big fan of flashback scenes, but the teens were quite effective in the writing of the four or five, like, oh, you're number four, you're number five. And they kind of built on that. It was actually kind of cute and, and I appreciate it. And, and really, Mark Declan, for all his, like, hairy caveman glory, actually had a really sad puppy look to him. When the father of the bride gave a speech at the wedding, and the speech went everywhere. Like, I'm like, wow, is this still the speech at the wedding? Like, and explaining, of course, why he didn't show up that night to Catherine Bell in the flashback. His look was crushing. And I have to say, I was so like, damn, son. 
you may look like a mountain man, but the feelings are there, and I felt it. Yeah, whereas like with Christmas Doctor, like most of my attention was on Adrian Holmes. With Meet Meet Me at Christmas, I was paying attention to the two of them. So Mark Declan and Catherine mm. Bell, I think they have great chemistry. This mm. is why this movie works. Otherwise, it would it would be okay for me. But yeah. I think I sat up and paid attention because I think they played off each other very well. He was like the lone wolf solo solo wedding planner or whatever, and she was more <laughs> the like yeah the Cassie here. I like how cheeky she was. So he keeps reiterating about how he likes to work solo and she just he says, yeah, so you keep saying. So I like I like that kind of banter. Otherwise, though, I when they weren't on screen together, I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> and I don't even remember the speech that you talked about. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mainly because this trope is so familiar in the HCU that when it comes back year after year, I really don't pay attention. Because, like, what hasn't been done? That's already mm. been done. I mean, it, it does tug at the heartstrings. And I think what I appreciate about this is how they revealed the twist quite early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they didn't make us wait and be like, oh, revealed in the end. Like, no, they addressed it right away and they kind of just, like, went on it head on. And instead, they went directly to getting to know each other again. Oh, I'm not ready to date. But here they are going on all these fucking dates, having dinner, going on a sleigh ride. Which is, it's, it's sweet and you're right they're so effective together that it was nice to to see them you know bounce off each other and really balance each other out Mm -hmm. Uh, needless to say it was okay but relative to the you know rest of this week which we'll get to in a bit it definitely didn't make that cut however it's still miles above last week so you know what i can't complain i would rate it merrily mediocre still because like i don't hate it i don't love it but i don't hate it agreed We've, we've reached the point where if we don't hate it as much as we did last week's movie, <laughs> we're good. So see, the bar has been set, the gauntlet has been thrown. I'm so sorry to the movie that shall not be named from last week that just really put things into perspective for everyone. I do wish we wouldn't get as many merrily mediocres because, you know, like, what's the point of spending two hours on a movie if it's just not going to give us that oomph? But when we're back... Maybe a a little oomph from the Hallmark Channel's Crown Down to Christmas is in store for everyone. And we're back! Now to talk about Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas. I have been waiting to review a Ryan Pavey movie (laughs) since the inception of this podcast. (laughs) Unfortunately, we haven't had a chance to get him into the lineup. I don't know why. What a shame. What a shame. But you know what? Anticipation (laughs) is a good thing sometimes. Like this week. Our first movie for Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas is A Timeless Christmas starring Aaron Cahill and Ryan Pavey. Charles Whitley travels from 1903 to 2020 where he meets Megan Turner and experiences a 21st century Christmas. Welcome to Christmas at the Whitley Mansion. What are you people doing in my house? Well, hello. The Christmas clock is ticking. I have to go back to 1903. You actually think you're from the past. I know so. For a timeless romance. You can't let the past control your life. Exactly. Which is why I live for the future. Essentially, this movie is Kate and Leopold, but make it Hallmark. 
we get the time travel. I mean, there's always gonna be one, at least one time travel magic movie in the Hallmark season, Christmas season. And it's usually a bad one. <laughs> but this year, I was like really excited. I didn't care about the magical trope, the time traveling, because it's Ryan Pavey. And Ryan Pavey paired with Aaron Cahill, who mm. we both love. love. So this is a classic Hallmark movie in that it has the time travel element. But you know what? I feel like it's classic but different because Aaron Cahill and Ryan Pavey just really elevated this to new, new, new heights. Mm. You get the flashback where Charles Whitley is in the 1900s and he's like a perfect little little women kind of character there with how he registers his voice <gasps> is just amazing because he, he is like perfect in that 20th, early 20th century way and he's a rich guy, he has some conflict with his friend <laughs> slash his friend slash enemy, they have some business dealings and whatnot. He has a he has a beautiful fiance but they're having a bit of a tiff because uh, she wants to spend the Christmas party with her family and he can't, he's too busy with work, blah, blah, blah. And then his maid gives him a sherry. <laughs> he gets a little Good drunk job. on that and wakes up to find himself in his home, which is now turned into a 21st century museum. Naren Cahill plays the museum director, so they do a bit of like cosplay where they, <laughs> they take the guests around the museum and there are actors and all of that and suddenly she has to deal with this guy who shows up who's the guy from the museum and then of course they build this relationship I think that as much as this plot is typical I would say it's still warm by the fire to Mm. me I don't know if I'm just biased but I really loved it it's like the perfect storybook Christmas movie it's amazing Uh, this movie had all the tropes that could make it go so wrong time travel Actors reenacting history, like what? Like the small town stuff, and yet it went so riot. Cause goddamn it, Ryan Pavey needs to get into more like historical period things because a cravat, a three piece, like a vest on him, he looks amazing. I love how they transported him from the past and into the present day, and it seems very seamless. His fascination with everything new, because they've established that is so amazing. He sold it. They could have dwelled on the ridiculousness of this premise and of the plot that's like, really? Like, you know, you question it. But instead, they made it so straightforward that he would, he cooperated with the police like to answer questions. Like he understood that he was, that he sounded crazy. So rather than like, you know, get into the nitty gritty of like all the holes, possible holes of this plot line, they just glossed over it and move forward. Like this is what is happening. He is a logical man and that is so sexy. Apart from like him being hot. So like, damn. Whew, I'm in, I'm in. In his plaid, in his plaid suit and with his like, talking the way he did, like using words like rapscallion and rogue. <laughs> Yeah. You're a cad. It's just so beguiling. <laughs> and Erin is is great because she's like an intellectual here. Mm. She's really smart. She's going for a university job versus the museum job. Her parents are great in this movie. They're not like, you know, they're not forcing themselves into the plot. They're just they're cool. One thing that really sticks out for me here 
is the cast, mm. the diverse cast. The secondary characters are wonderful. I think they're played excellently by everybody. No one's like overacting, which <laughs> tends to happen in Hallmark movies. They work well as an ensemble, mm. and they just add on to the already strong, strong chemistry between Aaron and Ryan. Hell yeah. I will also like to call out the fucking like costumes in this. Not only the old timey costumes. I know last week was the Christmas sweater movie, but Ryan Pavey in that sweater he had on, and I believe the Crayola name for this color is called Cornflower Blue. But oh yeah! Hot damn! <laughs> when they we we texted each other when that sweater came on screen. <laughs> we we're like, wait a minute, the sweater. The sweater is stealing the show. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Kiss that man mm -hmm. in that sweater. So yeah, he looked great. He looked great. Sorry, I just have to, I had to say it. He did, he did. And I, I love myself a distinguished gentleman. I really, you know, he was kind of shy. He was kind of timid. He was kind of shocked at, you know, how forward the yes. women of the 21st century were. And you're right. He didn't, he didn't play it to get laughs. I mean, they could have easily done that and made this into a comedy. But no, he just like, he just did it very earnestly. And, and I appreciate that. I like how shy he was and how he has his personality just slowly, slowly comes out. And it's because she's drawing it out of him. She's comfortable with him, even if he's a time-traveling man. <laughs> she just she, she's she's okay with it because she loves history. You know, she studied him for her PhD. I mean, if he shows up, I read Pride and Prejudice a bazillion times, and if Mr. Darcy shows up tomorrow, I'm not gonna question it. I'm just gonna say okay. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do it. I love that scene wherein they're talking about traditions and all that. And I mean, this fucking mistletoe shows up in movies all, all, all the time. But when <laughs> he talks about like, do you like all traditions? And they look up and it's a mistletoe and she gets caught off guard. She's like, oh, he's coming out of his shell. He's no longer Mr. Shy Guy who wants to pay except he forgot his billfold and, you know, doesn't want her in his room because, you know, unchaperoned, that would be unwell. But now that he's kind of like getting... To know her and he's like oh well you like traditions here's a mistletoe what are you gonna do about it and she's the one that stops and she's like wait a minute like i like him but what is happening and i love it when the mom calls it out like do you like him and she's like it's complicated and she goes no it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be girl just go get all that, that matters is if you like him yeah that it's as simple as that. Erin Cahill does flustered so well yes. when she's trying to she's when she's obviously like smiling on the inside and she's trying to force it, but she can't. So she just appears like all you know rosy cheeked and confused. It, it's it's so wonderful. I love it. Their banter is amazing because as you like as they're cosplaying himself, Charles Charles Whitley, and she is rosy. And at first he's trying to get into the role, and then you know how her eyebrows are just like telling him like get with the program and then he kind of gets into the program and then I love it that she like just you know again another of these girls sh shoot your shot girl because when she was trying to convince him to stay and she says well I would be glad to have you around like god damn it girl tell him I love it I love it that's right <laughs> tell him how you feel oh fuck yeah fucking I, actually I wasn't sure where this movie was gonna go I mean yes it it's like a classic Hallmark trope but honestly I was like Okay, is she gonna go to the past? Is he gonna go to the, you know, is he mm -hmm. gonna stay in the future? Is he gonna go back to the past mm -hmm. and go back to the future? I didn't know. So 
they had me there. <laughs> Good job, Hallmark. I think like yeah. just the, the the ending wherein obviously he stays and they kiss. Like, quite a good kiss for someone who's, you know, so mm-hmm. old-fashioned. But then I thought that was it. And then they fucking g- give me the dance. They gave me a dance. And <laughs> he was telling her, like, oh, it's different this time because, you know, it's our future. And she tells him, like, oh, how forward of you, Mr. Whitley. Which I thought was super cute because she's teasing him. But also, I think she also kind of got taken aback that, wow, he's thinking of me in his future. And she just goes, let's take it a day at a time. And he asks her, what are you doing New Year's Eve? And they kiss and I die. I die, I die, I die. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 warm oh. by the fire hot by warm the fire the cockles of my heart yeah I, I, really I mean this it. is how you do a time travel yes 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 Con- concur Charles Whitley is a man out of his time and yet he fit right in time rational and hopeful and yes a fucking dream boat he looks good in old timey clothes in, in that new cornflower blue sweater and his eyes <laughs> always boring into my soul I'm sure he would look great outside that sweater as well, but that's for another time. And just really, Erin Cahill for everything. We've said it before, we're saying it again. She is that magic that really tied it all together, that made us really buy into this plotline that is fucking bananas. And yet we were in 100%. Let's do it. Give me more of this, Hallmark. Give me more. More! Mm-hmm. And when we're back, we're gonna have to take a break because Chingai and I are flustered as fuck. We're going to have to take a sip of water right now. (laughs) We'll see you guys for the last offering from Hallmark Channel's Countdown to Christmas when we're back. Welcome back to But Make It Hallmark. You're still here with me, Patty and Chingai. We are on episode four of our 12 Days of Christmas special where we catalog all 40 movies from Hallmark Movies and Mysteries and Hallmark Channels, Miracles of Christmas, and Countdown to Christmas. And we've come to the final movie of this week. The movie that hyped itself and yet fucking lived up to expectations. That's right. I'm saying it right now. Christmas in Vienna stars none other than Sarah Drew and the... Zaddy, Brennan Elliott. And it tells the story of Jess, a concert violinist whose heart just isn't in it anymore, who goes to Vienna for a performance. While there, she finds the inspiration she has been missing, a new love. Spreken say English? Yes, I yes I do. I'm, I'm American. This holiday season, experience a love story. You know, when the waltz first came to Vienna, it made quite the scandal. Would you like to make a scandal? Pardon? In a city like no other. It's incredible. Here's to your very first Christmas in Vienna. A diplomat? I have my hand on my heart. <laughs> I, I, I don't like know a how Are you I'm okay? going to get through this review, but I'm going to try. Okay, let's try. Deep breaths, everyone. Take a sip of water Ooh. or beer, whatever you're having, and sit back and relax. Because first of all, I have to commend Hallmark Channel for giving us a travel Christmas movie that did it so right. They've done travel Christmas movies before, but this one blows everything else out of the fucking water. He's a diplomat. Brennan Elliott plays a diplomat in Vienna, giving us all the Captain Von Trapp vibes with his children and a dead mom, of course. I love these new jobs. Sure, it's our second violinist, you know, for the season. It's okay. It's okay. We're in fucking Vienna. This movie doesn't need any trope because Vienna is the Christmas capital of the fucking world. It looks great and there is enough holiday cheer for anyone. 
I can't complain. I can't complain when you see Brennan Elliott in double-breasted coats and scarves looking like the zaddy he is. Like, there is nothing I can say that makes the tropes of this one. Like, just everything is acceptable. You went to Vienna last year, right? I did. Was that last year? I did. Yeah, so, so how, did, how did the movie live up to what you saw IRL? In real life, it was amazing. I wasn't there for Christmas, and my aunt was like, you should have come here during Christmas. But seeing everything from the Schoenbrunn Palace, I didn't get to go at night, I didn't get to waltz there at night, but I saw it during the day, it was amazing. St. Stephen's Church, like just all these markets. It was brilliant, And but then seeing it now in the context of Christmas and seeing it through the eyes of a diplomat who's trying to show an American tourist around lives up to expectations. If I could go back and you know get toured by a... American diplomat, hell yes, I would come back 100%. And in the same way the Love, Romance, and Chocolates one did Bruges justice, this one did it justice as well. Everyone should visit Vienna. It's gorgeous. I want to go. I want to go. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah we, we should. We should do a like, Christmas in Vienna tour of Vienna. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> We're going to do this. Brad and Elliot, please come along. <laughs> I think like, just in terms of mistletoe moments, like obviously there is a literal mistletoe moment, but there's just too many to fucking mention because what I want to mention or I want to highlight offhand is that every scene is golden. There is not, not one scene where Sarah Drew and Brennan Elliott are together, wherein they don't elevate it. They're always building upon their last interaction. From the first time they meet at the, you know, in the middle of a crowd and asking if they, you know, speak English or what is this in German, what is this in English, they keep that conversation going throughout the movie. Uh, oh, is that what it is in German? Is that what it is? You know, it, and then to her, like, falling flat on her, like, you know, let's make a scandal, and him being a bit, like, taken aback. They just, every conversation built on the last to make it very flowing and the banter and the flirting and just fuck. Yes, take me, take me. I looked forward to this movie when the previews came out, and I thought it would be the first movie for, for the Christmas season. So I was a little disappointed when it didn't, it didn't, when we had to wait for it. And I was a little scared that I was hoping to see this movie so much that it would disappoint me, but it did not. It just lived up to it, my expectations, and just went through the roof above and beyond. This movie was perfectly cast. I think Brennan Elliott makes the best diplomat. I was telling Patty that, you know, I see him on screen in his double-breasted coat and his scarf and his his diplomat hair. And I feel like I, I smell the duty-free in an airport. <laughs> and like, like first-class lounge. He just gives those vibes in the way he talks when he says, Really? I have to say, this. I've watched this movie three times since it came out. <laughs> And I think after talking about it, I'm gonna watch it again. It's, I'm just so, like, blown away. Sarah Drew, while she plays the violinist differently from Lucia Micarelli last week, she does it well. And I like how she does awkward. She's clearly um, establishing rapport with this very attractive diplomat. She, she meets in the middle of a, win- uh, a Christmas market. And she's failing. She gets rejected so many times, which I love because, you know, that's what happens in in real life when, you know, you attempt to make a play for it and then suddenly you're just like falling flat on your face all the time. And and yet, fate brings them together again and again and again. And she gets rejected again and again and again. And I love how, how intelligently the script was written in that their banter just, yeah, you're right, it just built upon itself all throughout the movie I like how they they got into a bit of a row <laughs> about her giving her opinions about him 
moving his family to Zurich when the kids obviously just want to settle down and he asks for her opinion but he's like offended about it and I think I think that that's like real life right you you want to do the good thing and ask for someone's opinion but when it's not the thing you want to hear you kind of go on the offense and that's what he was doing the next day at breakfast you know when they were having that coffee conversation one of my favorite parts of this movie when they were just like being hella sarcastic with each other and then of course um, we get that countered by the super pretty, attractive scenes in the museum at the Ferris wheel. You know, drinking that mulled wine, walking around the Christmas markets is just so beautiful. And it was the perfect setting to a perfect, perfectly paired leading man and leading woman. They played off each other so well. Sarah Drew is everyone. Her constant rejection and yet her blatant lie. Like, she's charmed. She's so charmed by him. And how could she not be? She is human. And yet he is also human. And that he got hurt when he didn't hear what he wanted from the opinion that he asked. But what I love especially is that when he did apologize to her, I love how they go back to the meet-cute of bumping into each other in the Christmas market and talking about what's happening with this tradition. And they go, like, what day is it today? Because every day there's a new theme. And he goes, it's peace. And like, it was a peace offering. And she goes, is that you saying sorry? And he goes, yes. But she didn't stop there. She pushed him. So I love how she keeps pushing him. She just goes like, sorry for what? Like she asked him to explain and he actually explained himself. So it's mature. It's, it's conversation. There is no like the drama for drama's sake. No, it's just people who have hurt feelings and egos and, you know, humans. And right there at the Ferris wheel, when they're about to kiss and she's like, you know, let's not make it complicated. You're leaving. I'm leaving. And then she goes like, why, do, why don't you stay? And then he goes, why don't you stay? And I love those play on these words and just the way they looked at each other. And then when they're dancing in the Schoenbrunn and the palace in the evening in front of like the perfect moment under the Christmas tree. And then he says, you know, the perfect moment made even more perfect. And you think, you think they're going to kiss. But they don't. Instead, they cut to an ad. And right before that ad, there is a <laughs> shot of Sarah Drew's face where she catches her breath. And it's a split second. But we've watched this movie three times now, so we've seen it. <laughs> she catches her breath. And that's everyone. We're just catching our breath. Because what do you say to this charming motherfucking diplomat who is sweeping you off your feet and you don't even know it? Like, ah, take me away. I am yours. Brennan, I'm yours. The kids, the kids were the kids were good too in this movie. Yeah, they were they were more. <laughs> I, I was gonna say they're inoffensive, but you know they're actually. <laughs> I, I think they add to the story. They don't take away from it. I love seeing Brennan Elliot as a dad because he does it so well. <laughs> Hence the zaddy vibes. But yeah, he he seemed like a real. You know, like he calls the kid honey, and it it's just so. It, it's just so lovely to see. <sighs> I guess just like two more things. The assistant of uh, Brennan Elliott's character, his assistant with the German accent. Yes, please. We always get these like French accents. Ah, fuck that. That's passe. Let's go German <laughs> accents. So cute and adorable. And I think just like in the very last scene after the concert and all that, and finally he has a rose and it feels very unreal because like he's the host in Unreal, but now he's the bachelor and he's giving her that rose. Anyway, too many things going on at once. But then he's like, okay, I think, and then they narrate themselves and she goes, I think this is the moment where we kiss. And... It takes him just one hand to pull her in. One hand. One hand! He didn't need two hands. He just took one hand to pull her in for, like, the most amazing kiss. Imagine what can he do with two hands. But really. That's fucking, how you do it. That is how you do it. Warm? 
hot, blazing by the fucking fire. And don't forget the blanket he got from her for Christmas because he missed cuddling with someone by the fire. And he goes, it's not the same if it's not a person and it's just a blanket. So go cuddle with Sarah Drew's character. Do it, Brennan. There's just so much. They went ice skating. Don't you forget that. Never. And they were hand-holding from the beginning because she didn't know how to do it. And there's like, no, you know, they didn't need to drum up the hand-holding. It was just there because that's how they are and that's how he is, you know? And (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) the end of this movie has definite Captain Von Trapp sound of music vibes. And Hallmark tries to do this year after year. They try to do the sound of music thing, but this time in Vienna with Brendan Elliott, he got it. it right. They finally did it. They he finally did, did it. it. We can stop all Hallmark movies now. We're good. And even though we're stuck indoors and traveling isn't a thing, you know, so being brought back to Vienna a little over a year since I've been there is just such a nice feeling. I could focus, and as we have, on Zaddy, Brad, and Elliot all day long and all night long. Now let me help you unbutton <laughs> that gorgeous double-breasted coat you look so snugly in. <laughs> but really, Sarah Drew and him were a perfect match in a perfect movie. I I think we have to end this podcast now. Yeah, I have nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just go watch it and see for yourself. Watch it and see for yourself. Warm by the fucking fire. If you're feeling you need some zaddy vibes, go go do Christmas in Vienna. But also, do not sleep on a timeless Christmas because Ryan Pavey and that cornflower blue mm-hmm. sweater. Do it, guys. You can spare four hours this week, guys. Or three if you skip all the ads. So I say go for it. I'm watching it again. <laughs> SMI. And with that, we want to thank everyone for joining us again this week for our fourth episode of the 12 Days of Christmas from But Make It Hallmark. If you aren't following us yet on our socials, please do at Make It Hallmark on Twitter and at But Make It Hallmark on Instagram. We are just going gaga over there. And if you haven't smashed that subscribe button, please do. Uh, thanks, Jengai, again for squeeing with me this week. I don't know how next thanks. week will. I don't know. I don't know. I will remember this week forever. Forever. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs>